Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. We're taking a look today at Joshua chapter 1, uh, verses 6 through 18, and just reading the first several verses, starting in verse 6. Be strong and courageous, or you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Several times the Lord's commission to Joshua comes in this phrase, Be strong and courageous. Now both Moses and God had already commissioned the people of Israel, and Joshua particularly with this command. You can look at Deuteronomy 31, verses 6, 7, 23. It's based on the Lord's promise to be with Joshua. So Joshua is not simply told, Joshua, go forth, be strong and courageous, believe in yourself and you'll do great. No, Joshua is told I will be with you. God says, I'm going with you. And that is the reason why you can be strong and be courageous. The presence of God in the life of a believer casts out fear and creates a supernatural courage. David, uh, later on, centuries later, would recount this of his own experience in uh, Psalm 20, 23, verse 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil. Why? For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So the, the presence of God is what gives David courage. And that's what God is telling Joshua here. I will be with you. You can be strong. You can be courageous. I will go forth. Uh, sometimes late at night, uh, my children, as I help put them to sleep, uh, will struggle with some of the fears that they have, whether it's fear of uh, sleeping in the dark or being by themselves throughout the night. And so we pray together, and as we pray together, uh, we try to focus together on the fact that the Lord is always uh, near us and around us, that he's close to us, and when we call on him, He'll listen to us and he'll respond. So we pray with them to remind them that the Lord is present and powerful uh, to help them. The same is true in my life. Uh, the Lord is present and powerful to help uh, in situations where I am lacking in courage. So we have a prediction here that Joshua would be the one to give Israel possession of the land in fulfillment of the promise that God had made to their ancestors in verse 6. Uh, Joshua is told again to be strong and courageous and be careful to do all the law so that he would have success. 
The promises to Joshua are presented very interestingly in this chapter as both unconditional in one point of view and also conditional from another point of view. If you look at verses 3 through 6, God tells Joshua very clearly, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you all this land. Every place where your foot treads will be your possession. No one can stand against you all the days of your life. That's very unconditional. doesn't matter what you do, Joshua. I've already ordained it. It's already going to take place. But in verses 7 and 8, we have the other side of that. And the other side is that of course, Joshua needs to be obedient to the word of the Lord and careful to observe the law of the Lord. So uh, this might seem like a, a conflict to us. God presents this as both unconditional and conditional. So which one is it? Well, ultimately, I don't think there's a, a conflict here between the two. God knew what he would bring about. The, the conquest of the land is unconditional in the sense that uh, God already knows beforehand what's going to take place. But situationally, the success of Israel is dependent upon obedience to the law of Moses. And when we come to Joshua chapter 7 and the failure at, at uh, uh, the city of Ai, we see that disobedience to the Lord's commandments uh, hinders Israel's ability to do the Lord's work. You know, in the same way, the promise of eternal life belongs to the believer in Christ at the moment of salvation and is an irrevocable possession. It's something that we are given and it's something that cannot be taken away. Sometimes we boil this down, perhaps too simplistically at times, to the phrase, once saved, always saved. Uh, that can be comforting for us to know that once we have trusted Jesus Christ as Savior, we have the promise of eternal life, and nothing, not even our own stupidity, can take that away from us. But in the daily struggle against sin, in order to grow as Christians and advance our spiritual lives, we must continue in obedience to the Word of God, the law of the Spirit. And so spiritual prosperity from our perspective is conditioned upon faithful obedience. Just as from Joshua's perspective, uh, the advance of Israel and their continued success was conditioned upon or depended upon their obedience to the law of Moses. So we see there's a divine element at work here and a human element. What's, what's being looked at from God's perspective is that God has already ordained that all of this will take place. But from the human perspective, we're looking the other direction. And what we see is that we need to continue to be faithful to the Lord and, and uh, continue on to persevere in our faith uh, for what we uh, uh, believe in the Lord. In verse 8, we see uh, Joshua, uh, the Lord saying to Joshua, uh, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. Uh, this is meditation, but it's not like meditation as we hear it talked about in our culture today. 
It's not some sort of Eastern meditation where we clear our minds and attempt to commune with the spiritual realm. Biblical meditation uh, is, is simply just memorizing, speaking, and repeating uh, the words of God over and over again. It actually comes from the, the Hebrew word to murmur or mutter. Joshua was literally to be murmuring, muttering the word of God all day long as he went about through the conquest. He was to center his thoughts on God's word. Often as you speak something or repeat something, your thoughts will go back there over and over again uh, as you think about it. Today we live in a world that has the word of God easily accessible, uh, cell phones, other electronic devices, but oftentimes we do not uh, think about the word. This has made us lazy in many ways. Accessibility is not the same as meditation. We need to ponder God's word, to let our minds feast on the goodness of God's word. And so again, a spiritual a principle for spiritual growth, spiritual prosperity comes from delighting in the truth of God's word and dwelling in the pages of Scripture, letting the Word of God penetrate our thoughts and saturate our mind. Now, the presence of God is reiterated here again for Joshua uh, in verses 9 and 10. God is the ultimate leader of Israel, not Joshua. God is the one who has responsibility for the people. It can be at times so comforting to a for a leader to have someone else higher up on the chain of command. And uh, sometimes we fall into the trap as humans of thinking of ourselves as sort of the top of, of everything, but we are not at the top of the pyramid. Even if we're in the highest position of our company or corporation, humanly speaking, God sits above all and is the leader of all. Uh, just as God reminded Joshua here that he is actually the leader of the people. He is in charge. Now, I'll read verses 10 and 11 quickly. Then Joshua commanded the officers of the people, saying, Pass through the midst of the camp and command the people, saying, Prepare provisions for yourselves, for within three days you are to cross this Jordan to go and to possess the land which the Lord your God is giving you to possess it. The commissioned leader, Joshua, now speaks to his people, telling them to get ready. And this is what he says, the Lord is giving you this territory to possess it. A good human leader focuses the eyes of his or her followers on the Lord. They direct their followers to their true leader. Just as Paul could say in 1 Corinthians 11, 1, be imitators of me, just as I also am of Christ. Joshua could say to his people, we don't have this recorded, but he could have said, uh, you know, you can look to me for direction and guidance and leadership, but ultimately I'm looking to the Lord and following him as my leader. Now in verses 12 through 15, Joshua rallies the Transjordanian tribes. These are the two and a half tribes that had settled on the eastern side of the Jordan River. Uh, Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. And this is what he says. 
Uh, verse 12, to the Reubenites, to the Gadites, and to the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, it's time. Well, that's my paraphrase, but verse 13, remember the word which Moses, the servant of the Lord, commanded you, saying, the Lord your God gives you rest and will give you this land. Your wives, your little ones, your cattle shall remain in the land which Moses gave you beyond the Jordan, but you shall cross before your brothers in battle array, all your valiant warriors, and shall help them until the Lord gives your brothers rest as he gives you, and they also possess the land which the Lord your God is giving them. In other words, Joshua says, it is time for you to make good on the promise that you made to Moses. You told him if he lets you settle on the east side of the Jordan, that all of your fighting men would go over first and enter into the land of Canaan and assist us in the war. And now it's time. Will you do uh, what, what Moses had made you swear to promise to do? And in verses 16 through 18, they answered Joshua saying, all that you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we obeyed Moses in all things, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Anyone who rebels against your command and does not obey your words and all that you command him shall be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. So the people of these two and a half tribes swear their loyalty, their allegiance to Joshua here. Any rebel among them who did not do this would be put to death. Anybody who tried to defect or desert or hide out, they said, no, we've made, we've made this promise and we're going to follow through with this promise. I think there's an application in this for us today as well. God really desires for his people to be faithful to their word. That is something I think our society does not value uh, as much anymore as the way that it, perhaps it used to. But for the people of God, one way that we can stand apart from this secular society is to actually do what we say we're going to do. If we make a promise to someone to follow through on that word demonstrates faithfulness and faithfulness is part of God's character. It's who he is. And so in our faithfulness, we're demonstrating ultimately God's faithfulness and talking about who God is to the world around us. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu partner.